0: Amen. Thank you, worship demon. You know, even as we were singing that last song, like I was saying earlier, the Spirit just just impressed on me. The biggest miracle you see is a life that's changed, right? The biggest miracle in life is a life that is transformed by the love of Christ. And we sang miracles are happening now. And I believe not just here and now. It's in our families, the people who have been running away from God all this while. We need a miracle in their lives, too. Hallelujah. As much as he loves us, he loves them. We got to pray and believe. Thank you, Brother Dan, and worship team again. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. He never. His promise is, you know where two or three are gathered, he's here in the midst of them, and he doesn't I mean, he does not not show up. Amen? Amen. He does not not show up. Thank God. Thank God for that. Amen. We've been working through the book of James again. And this morning as I was coming to church and uh, I try and get some, I was really, normally I sometimes, you know, especially when I'm at home, Heather's a great cook. Most of you know that part. So, but I was like, I need to go through the drive through But then the drive through had like four cars ahead of me. And then the decision, do I need to get down And go inside, or is the drive-thru waiting in the drive-thru? How many of you have had that decision before? (laughs) Do I need to get down and go in? Will that be faster? Or do I need to wait in that drive-thru? And so today I got down and went in, and I was faster than the rest of them. So I made it, because I pay attention. It's that black car, that black car. If he's at the window before I get my order, that means I should have waited in the drive-thru. Am I the only one who does that? I've done that. (laughs) It's funny, but I'm talking about decisions this morning, and that was a decision I had to make. <laughs> a young businesswoman, a, big, a young businessman, went to a went to an executive, his boss, basically, and asked for his wisdom. He said, "What is the secret of business success?" And the boss said, "Wise decisions." And so this guy, this young guy, asked, "So how can I make wise decisions?" The boss replies, "Experience." And how do you get experience, this young guy asks, he says, by making dumb decisions first. There's one guarantee. There's one thing that is guaranteed that as long as we live, we will be faced with choices and that we will have to make decisions Every day in our lives, we are going to make decisions. As much as we try and run away from them, soon enough, we have to face them. And then there's this choice and we have to make a decision. And I want us to look this morning as we study, keep going in the book of James on how to make decisions or the power of decision-making. Because life is full Of decisions, and honestly, that's what life is all about. If you reduce it, that's what it is. It's a series of choices, right? From getting out of bed, it's a choice you make. We have to, like you said, as we go through life, as we go through our day, we have these situations in front of us. We evaluate, we decide, and then we go for it, right? That's what it's about. We make our decisions, someone said, and we know the saying, we make our decisions, and and then the decisions make us. It's so true. And the truth is just, is this, the quality of your life will be determined by the kind of decisions you make. The quality of your life will be determined by the kind of decisions you make. We are not always going to get it right. On this side of eternity, we're not always going to get it right. Some of them we regret. Some of them we do great. And because we're human, and like I said, because we live in a fallen sinful world, we need God's help as we navigate life and make decisions every day. Because sometimes we wait too long, or we pay too much, or we say the wrong thing, and we wait for the wrong time, or whatever. And James gives us basically a great idea on how to make up our minds. And it really divides into three three parts here this morning. James chapter 1 verses 5. We're going to read from verse 5 through 11. James chapter 1 verses 5 through 11. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that man should not think he will receive anything from the lord he is double minded man he's a double minded man unstable in all he does the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position but the one who is rich should not I mean should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant it blossoms it, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way in the same way the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business What is the main issue that he's talking about here in this passage as we started out? It says basically a double-minded man. A double-minded man. And it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways or in all he does. The Greek word for double-minded is actually two-souled. Two-souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. Two sold, pulled apart. Basically, the idea is a person who's been pulled apart in different directions because he has divided loyalties, divided priorities. And James kind of makes up this word because you don't really find it anywhere else. He kind of makes up, makes up this word. this word. And the truth is we all feel like that at some time or the other. When you're trying to do two things at the same time, I don't know what effect it has on you. For me, it just messes me up totally. Because at the end of the day, you're not sure of what you really want to do because there are two things right in front of you. And so I got a, Dr. Zeus has a good video about the Zod in the Road. How many of you know that poem? The Zod in the Road. Uh That was from Dr. Zeus. But the truth is the Bible talks about the same thing. Making a decision is such a powerful thing. It is such a powerful thing because like this character there, we struggle on which way to go. But the truth is this, soon enough, we have to make a decision. We have to make a decision. Double-mindedness as such. Double-mindedness is uh, debilitating. When you can't make up your mind, it is devastating. And the Bible says it makes you an unstable person, basically, when you can't make up your mind. Actually, the word there is unstable is also translated as confused in other parts of the Bible. Confused. Another one talks about it as tumultuous. How do you say it? Tumultuous? 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 And the picture, the word picture it presents is a guy who's drunk, who's totally intoxicated and just staggering around, reeling, unstable, can't go in the way he wants to go. That's the word picture. It presents itself. And James it's saying, if you can't make up your mind, that's exactly how your life is going to be. Unstable, in turmoil. I noticed three things here, and I know this, you can make, add more to this, but what, do, in, what does indecision do to you? Because indecision affects you in so many different ways. Number one, it affects you emotionally because it damages emotions. It makes you emotionally unstable. It messes with your head, if you want to say that too. Because it is so stressful, you can't decide. Have you ever seen someone who's struggling to make a decision? I can think about Alyssa sometimes, and she, you know, she chews on her fingers when she has to make a choice, and she's always like this. And Heather and me, we kind of laugh about it, because she doesn't know how to choose, green or red, or she doesn't know which way to go. You worry, you stress, and you end up a nervous wreck, simply because you get, and the truth is, you get more confused the more you wait on it, sometimes. Sometimes. You can't sleep, you can't eat, and you always second-guess yourself and wonder, did I do the right thing? Did I do the right thing? When you can't make up your mind, the indecision that you have creates emotional instability in your life. William James, one of the famous uh, psychologists and philosophers in America, he said, the most miserable person in the world is a person who is habitually indecisive. And I thought about that, and that's true. It's really true. Have you, have you seen a person, how it debilitates them just because they can't make a choice? And I'm not making fun of that. I'm mocking that. But the truth is this. We've got to overcome that. Sitting there writing this, and I'm, I had to laugh at myself. That's the reason I don't like going shopping. <laughs> Because, again, I know I'm going to get in trouble, but in my experience, the women started store one, can't make up the choice, go through two hours and come back to store one and buy the first thing. And I'm like, come on, make up your mind. I'm saying, truth is, I'm saying so much stuff about Heather. She she's going, I know when she gets back, I'll be in trouble. I guess I miss her. So I'm talking about her. So there you go. Good cover right there. Let, but the truth is this, the inability to make up our mind messes with our emotions. It really it sends us on this emotional roller coaster because one time we're happy with our decision, but then we think about it a little more and then we saw, did I make the right choice? And we, then we go down in depression again. The inability to make a choice, and I'm, again, I'm not talking about being impulsive. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about just doing whatever you feel like you're jumping at the first thing. No, I'm talking about making a wise decision. The second area where indecision affects us, it it affects us emotionally. It affects us in our relationships. Because what it creates is insecure relationships. Insecure relationships. Think about it. One of the reasons for the lack of commitment in relationships can honestly be, like I said, boiled down to the fact that people are not wanting to make decisions and then stick with it. They don't want to be tied down with a decision, so they come up with this idea, I want to keep my options open. They just don't want to make a decision. When you can't decide... Do I want this or not? Do I want to go with this or not? Do I go, you know, can I get with this or not? We just struggle to make that. And in relationships, it wears the other person down. It wears the people around you down. Because they don't know which direction you're going, where your heart is, where your mind is. And it creates insecure relationships because they can't rely on you. When you're indecisive, switching back and forth, what does it do to your family? Even as a parent, I mean, I've got to be really conscious of this and we need to be conscious of this. Because if we give our kids two decisions, I mean, we give them, we once talk like this and we react one time like this. And then another time we react another way. There's no consistency. And inconsistency is basically what? Not making a a decision on how I'm going to act and treat something. And what does it do on the kids? It makes them insecure because they don't know which way daddy's going to react this time, right? You can't decide in a relationship whether you're in it or you're going to get out of it. Here's the truth I have found. Many times it takes more energy deciding than it really takes to do something. Because sometimes I, just my own experience, sometimes that indecisions just wears me down. But when I've made the decision and I do it, it just, it just goes. We spend more time and energy trying to decide rather than just go out and do it sometimes. It affects us emotionally, it affects us relationally. The third way, indecision affects us. It does affect us spiritually because it creates an inconsistent spiritual life. Inconsistent spiritual life, an unstable spiritual life. Indecision creates a lack of faith. It really does create a lack of faith which creates doubt and fear. Because I can't decide if this church and Jesus thing is real or not. So I play the game on Sunday. I come and do everything. The rest of the week, I do my own thing. So we play Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde the whole time. Because we can't make up our minds whether I'm going to be all in for Christ or all in with the world. And we know what the Bible says. You cannot serve two masters. It's kind of interesting. Verse 7 says, someone who has indecision leads to doubt and fear. He says, that man will not, should not think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why our prayers aren't being answered. Because we pick and choose what we want and when we want to serve God. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Sometimes I think we're not specific enough. I really think sometimes we're not specific enough in prayer because it's not about whether I want a red car or a green car or something of that sort. It's not that. But we're not specific when it comes to prayer. We need to be specific. God, this is what I have. The decision in front of me is this. Now give me wisdom. Do I do it or not do it? Amen. Versus sometimes we're like, okay, God, do your will. And we cop it's like a cop art basically when you say, Lord, do your will. Let's be specific when we pray about it because not every, the truth is this, not every door is a door you need to walk through. And not every closed door is a door meant for you to just give up and go away. God wants you to persevere sometimes. But if you can't make up your mind, you need, you really are going to struggle in your spiritual life too. Double mindedness, it leads to a double life, a double standard. Pilgrim's Progress, you talk about the guy who's Mr. What is he? Facing right, both, facing right Both Ways or something of that sort. What is it? Mr. Facing Both Ways. That's his name. If you've seen Pilgrim's Progress, I read it. Because he wants to do God's will on one hand, but then he wants to do his thing too. When we can't make up a mind whether we want to serve Christ wholeheartedly or serve the world. First of all, we can't do that because, again, we will, we will just mess up everything. We've got to make up our mind and double-mindedness hurts us spiritually too, messes things up, instability in your life. Emotionally, it, it damages you. Relationally, it creates a lot of insecurity in your life, in your families, at your workplace, everywhere else. And it affects your spiritual life because you start to question everything that happens to you. So the issue or the problem is indecision. But what's the solution? What does James say? If you're struggling with that, what does he say? Get wisdom. Get wisdom. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. Wisdom. That's verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And this verse, basically three things you see here. First of all, it talks about acknowledging that you can't do it on your own. Lack wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, and I kind of, it's almost like he's being sarcastic here a little. Okay, If anyone lacks wisdom, he knows everybody is not smart. If any of you don't have it all together as such. Actually, if you think about it, James actually, what book of Proverbs is to the Old Testament? James is to the New Testament, full of wisdom, really. We all lack wisdom and it's universal. And again, as I was writing this down, I was just laughing. I was laughing as I was thinking and writing it down because we're never going to run out of stupidity in this world. We'll run out of air to breathe. We'll run out of gasoline and everything else. But we will never run out of stupidity in this world. (laughs) I was just laughing at myself. It was funny. But we all lack wisdom. That's the honest truth. We all lack wisdom. Wisdom is different from knowledge. We know that. Wisdom is knowledge put into practice. Wisdom is seeing God from seeing life through God's point of view. Wisdom is making decisions that the Lord would make too. The word for wisdom we know in, in is Sophia. That's why we get philosophy as such, you know. The, what is ph- philosophy? Love and wisdom, right? The love of wisdom. That's what philosophy is. Sophia is wisdom. Wisdom again, the application of knowledge. It is when or knowing when, where and how to apply what you know. That is wisdom. The Bible talks about wisdom. But Unfortunately, sometimes we emphasize knowledge more than wisdom. Because the world appreciates knowledge, but God appreciates wisdom. The world appreciates knowledge, but the Lord is impressed with wisdom. How you apply that knowledge. Do you put into practice what you know? Because I can know a lot about God, but if I don't live like God, that's foolishness. It starts, if you want to get wisdom, it starts but. By you first acknowledging God, I can't do it on my own. It's that humility because Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. The truth is pride blocks wisdom. Pride blocks wisdom and you can't really learn anything if you say you've already figured it all out. Pride blocks wisdom wisdom. I think one of the main reasons we never learn or get this wisdom is because we think we've got it all together. We've got it all together. But James is saying, admit that you lack wisdom first and then God is going to start giving you wisdom. I don't have it all together, God. I don't have all the answers. For us, some of us, it's hard to admit that we were wrong sometimes. For me, the older I've got as a Christian, I find it easier to say I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. It's easier for me to admit that I lack wisdom the older I get. But the key to wisdom is starting by saying, God, I don't know. I need your help. Admit you need, number one. The second thing it says, if you lack wisdom, you should ask. Pray, simple. Prayer is asking God. Asking God, ask for wisdom, pray to God, talk to him about it. Because if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. How do you get wisdom? According to this, it says just by asking God, not by watching TV talk shows, not by reading a good magazine or a good book. It's asking God, taking time off from your busy day and asking God for wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? According to James, it comes from God. If you read the Old Testament, he says that all the time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the Lord who gives wisdom. Proverbs says it is the Lord who gives wisdom. From him comes knowledge and understanding. He is the source. If God were to come to you one day and ask you, I'm going to give you one wish you can wish for anything. What would it be? And we know one person who had that question posed to him, right? In the Old Testament, God came to King Solomon and he asked, he basically asked him, you know, you're the king of Israel. I'm going to grant you one wish. What do you want me to do for you? And Sol- Solomon thinks about it and prays about it, again. guess. And he thinks, I'm so inadequate. And he's, these are his words. He's inadequate as a le- leader. I don't know. What to do with these people? More than anything else, I want wisdom. And we know God was pleased with His answer. I mean, with His answer, and God gave, God gave him wisdom, granted him wisdom. And we know God blessed him because of his wisdom. He was blessed in so many ways, financially and everything else. He was really blessed. He was really blessed, but he sought wisdom. Let me say this right here because many of us know how Solomon's life ended, right? It wasn't glamorous at all. He had like thousands of wives and concubines and led him and the nation of Israel astray at that point of time. But here's the lesson that we need to learn. Seeking God's wisdom is not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing because we seek God's wisdom and we make that decision and we make the right decision and we reap the rewards of that. And suddenly we think we've got it figured out. And next time we have a situation, we say, God, I got this now. Come on, I got it. That's the problem with Solomon, I think. And that's the problem we face because God will give us victory in certain situations. But we can't lose our dependence on God and seeking his wisdom in the situations. We can't say, God, I figured it out now. Let me do it. That's when we get into trouble. When we ask, we continuously ask. It's not one time. We keep asking. Because I realize this, I cannot make it if I don't ask him for wisdom. Because then I'm relying on my own strength. And when I rely on my own strength, my own understanding, my own wisdom, it doesn't go too good. Ask God. Again, it's, like I said, it's just a pride thing at the end of the day. Because we've tasted success like Solomon, we taste success. God blesses us when we seek him. Let us not lose our dependence on seeking God for his will. If you don't get anything else, the Je- proverb says, if you don't get anything else, get wisdom. Get wisdom. The reason we don't have wisdom, sometimes it's just because we don't ask. We don't ask. 29 times. 20 times or 29 times, I forget, I have it both written down here. In the New Testament, it says, ask and it shall be given to you. And Of course, we know that word ask is what? Ask and keep asking. It's not a one-time thing. It's something we do persistently. I'll be honest with you. As a pastor and as your pastor, I cannot imagine leading a church without seeking God's wisdom. It challenges me, and you don't know how much I've got to rely on God's wisdom. Because whether it's answering a text, an email, phone, or talking to people, I'm constantly praying, God, give me your wisdom. Because I shudder to think what would happen to a church if the pastor doesn't seek God's wisdom. And I can't do it. The biggest challenge, and I've shared this with a few people. One of the biggest burdens I bear as a pastor that gets me is that I'm going to stand up before God one day and He's going to say, I gave you the church, my bride, what have you done with her? And if I don't seek His wisdom, I'm not doing, I'm not being faithful to what He has called me to do. Seek God's wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, Ask God. Don't pretend to figure it all out. Just because you got victory in one area doesn't mean you can get victory in the other area without God's help. Seek God. Stay humble. Again, it's just a humility thing. Ask God for help. Acknowledge, first of all, I don't have it all together. And now ask God for his wisdom. And the third thing it says is believe God for an answer. Believe God for an answer. That's what we need to do. Believe God for an answer. When you pray, if, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. He must believe and not doubt. If you want wisdom, first of all, you've got to ask the right person. And then you've got to believe that he's going to give it to you. You've got to believe that He's going to give it to you. You've got to believe and ask in faith. Believing, not doubting as such. The key to wisdom is prayer, the condition is faith. The key is prayer, but the condition is faith. Have you ever prayed a prayer? And I know I've done this sometimes. I prayed a prayer, and then at the end of it, I knew in my head it's not going to happen. Uh, when it ha- whatever happens, like, oh, I just knew it wasn't going to happen anyway. That's not the prayer and wisdom he's asking for. When we ask him for prayer, we've got to believe that God will answer that prayer. That God will answer that prayer for wisdom. It says, do not doubt. Doubt is rooted in fear. Doubt is rooted in fear that God can't do something for you. When we ask for wisdom... We need to believe and thank God in advance that he's going to give us wisdom. He's going to give us wisdom. And I always think about Peter. You know, he's walking, he's in this boat and Jesus comes walking on, on the water. And Peter says, okay, God, I want to do it too. Okay, Jesus, I want to do it too. And then what happens? He jumps out of the boat. First of all, you got to get out of the boat to see a miracle. And then he gets out of the boat, starts walking on water and he's doing great. But as soon as he takes his eyes off Jesus, what does he look at? The problems around him, the circumstances around him, and that's when he begins to sink. It's the same thing when it comes to seeking God and seeking his face, seeking his will in our lives. As long as we seek and keep seeking, he will lead us. It's when we stop seeking and get overwhelmed by the situation around us and focus on everything else around us. When we focus on the decision making rather than seeking wisdom on the one who can help us through that, That's when we stumble and start sinking. Seek God. Seek his wisdom and keep seeking. Please do not be focused. And you know this already. Don't be focused and overwhelmed by the problem. Look at the person who can solve the problem. Stay focused on God because what happens when you don't, It's talking about a person who's been tossed around by the waves. Tossed around like the ocean. I mean, if you've been following what's the hurricane in, where's that, Carolina? Man, that's really rough. But think about it. That's what the Bible is comparing us to sometimes when we don't seek his face. We will be. No wonder we get tired and beaten up because we've been tossed around all over the place. Have you been on a roller coaster ride that really, really shakes you up? It messes with you. It hurts your neck, hurts your arms, and you just don't want to go. And you feel like throwing up at the end of the day. We do that in our same life all the time, in our spiritual lives. When you don't focus on Christ, we are going to get beaten up, and it messes us up. Yeah. Seek God, and we've got to seek Him in faith. Hallelujah. Believing, thanking Him in advance. When we get our eyes off Him and focus on the problems, we will be tossed around. Tossed around by the wind and the waves. And I can... I mean, the picture in my head is as the storm is coming, if I picture someone in a canoe out there trying to paddle his way out of that storm. And he can try as hard as he wants to, but that little canoe is not going to make it. Why rely on our own strength when life happens like that storm? Why rely on our own strength, our own ability to get us through the storm when we have something that is so secure that will see us through that storm? Seek and keep seeking God and believe in faith. And we know the scripture in Hebrews, it says without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. Seek him and keep seeking him. If you want to receive anything from God, you've got to really, and this is it. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving in advance. Mm -hmm. Thank him in advance. Now, this is not wishful thinking. This is not hoping for something. It's confidence in who God is confidence in who God is it's not confidence in the solution it's confidence in the one who will see me through the situation Um. fix your eyes on God faith is confidence in God thanking him in advance admit that you cannot do it on your own pray and then believe pray and then believe why believe and then after that he gives us this promise Why do we believe? Because of the promise that he gives us. That if we lack wisdom and ask God, he gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. That's a promise. That's a promise. God wants to give us wisdom. He wants to give us. It says it pleased God when Solomon asked for wisdom. Why won't it please God when we ask for wisdom too? He gives it to us. That's just part of his nature. God is a giving God. He's not offended when we ask. When we ask for wisdom, God is not offended by it. How does he give? It says he gives continually. He gives and keeps giving. That's the word there. He gives continually. He gives what? Generously. Because he's never going to run out. He's never going to run out. He gives. He has enough resources for everybody. He gives continually. He gives generously. And this is the best part He gives without finding fault. Mm -hmm. Man, I don't have to prove something to God before I earn His blessing or His favor. All I've got to do is come in obedience. That's it. Seek Him earnestly, and He will bless us. I don't have to go through so many hoops to win God's favor. He gives without finding fault. He gives cheerfully basically, right? We don't like people who give us a gift. It's like Aidan. When we ask him to share something, you can tell. He's doing it because we are making him do it. There's no joy, nothing at all there. It's the opposite with God. When he gives, he is just waiting to give it. All we need to do is come and ask in faith. And he's ready to pour out that blessing. See, that's his promise, church. Again, Sometimes we're embarrassed to ask people because what will people think if I ask them for this? Thank God he does not treat us that way or think about us that way. He's not offended at all when we ask on him. He's more impressed when we ask him because that implies our dependence on him. He's willing to give it to us. It's part of his nature. God is a giving God. And it's kind of interesting in all that he talks about double-minded and giving and everything else and giving us wisdom and everything else. And the example he uses is riches and money. Because I, I think personally it's because that's probably the w- number one mistake we make really. Foolishly using, spending money. I think that's one of the number one mistakes we make. The choices we make in financial matters sometimes. And he uses that as an example. and I just I just thought it was just interesting that he does that. The choices we make, the choices we will have to make every single day, we need his wisdom. Amazing promise because he promises to give it to us. In conclusion, just a couple of things that James talks about. First thing, it's a common misconception, but I want you to know this. God does not want to make the decision for you. God does not want to make the decision for you. Like I said, it's a common misconception that many believers make. When you seek God's will, it does not mean God is going to make the decision for you. Pray and ask God and he will give you wisdom. You see the difference there? Because if we don't make the choice, we will never mature as believers. God wants us to grow. God made man in Genesis. He, he, He created us in his image. And part of being in his image is to make choices. He gives us free will. He's not going to give us free will and then take it away. He's not going to give us free will and then override our will every time. It's the ability to make choices. I know sometimes we say this... And we say, I'm going to leave it up to God. And that's okay. But most of the time, that's not what it's about. Let me, let me, like I said, I can't always say, I'm just going to let God do it. Let God make the choice for me. That's not what it is. It's about seeking God because you have got to make the choice. God is not going to force your hand. He's not going to force your will. And he's not going to force the will of someone else to harm you too. You understand what I'm saying here? Just because you seek God's will doesn't mean God is going to do it for you. God is going to give you wisdom and you've got to make a choice to obey. That's the difference right there. The truth is, and think about it, God's will, and I need to be careful, God's will is not always done here on earth. It's just the truth. That's why we pray that prayer. They all will be done here as it is in heaven. In heaven, it's done perfectly. Here, it's still not established the way it's supposed to be established. So we can't just leave it and say, okay, whatever happens, happens. Because then it's not just always God's will that happens. That's why we need wisdom. And we need to ask God for wisdom as we navigate through life Let me say something carefully. Don't blame God for indecision. Don't blame God for indecision and then something happens and then you say, okay, that was God's will for me. Okay? We need to be careful when it comes to that. Second thing is, God's wisdom, where do we find it? It's found in God's word. That is the most reliable source you will ever have for wisdom. That is the most reliable source we will ever have for wisdom. When we seek God, we pray and ask God for wisdom. Open his word. Devote ourselves to studying God's word and meditating on his word. And then he gives us decisions, ability to make decisions. Amen. Seek him and seek his word. Meditate on his word. Yes, we seek wise counsel. We need, we need to seek wise counsel. But God is the source. Learning to wait on God and then make decisions. I got a number of people who get so anxious sometimes. Uh, I can think about this one young man who's just a good friend of mine. And he wanted a job in this company A, which was way better pay and everything else. But company B offered him the job first. And so he came to me and said, what do I do? I said, well, just pray about it and wait on God. And he goes back home and immediately says, I'm going to do B. And I'm like, okay, you made your decision. Company B, and this doesn't happen all the time. But Company B folded and made him, they didn't make him lose a job, but he had to drive like three hours away. And said, so you want the job, keep the job. But by then Company A had already given the job to someone else. Sometimes we make decisions impulsively. We've got to learn to seek God's word and seek wise counsel and then make decisions based on what the spirit is telling us sometimes. Seek God's word, seek wisdom, wise counsel in helping make decisions. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. And the truth is, the word says what? Your word is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's no better way. One step at a time, he will lead us through this. Choices, we've got to make choices. The best choice I ever made was to follow Jesus Christ. Because I realized as a young man, I grew up in church, but I, there was a point where I had to make a choice. Is this all God or nothing at all? Because it was wearing me down because I was trying two things at the same time. It's going to happen in our lives too. Indecision, let me say this, indecision is the inability and trust God. It sounds harsh, but that's the truth. It's the inability to trust God, whether it be in my marriage, whether it be in my job, whether it be in the relationships I have with other people. It's the inability to trust God. Be careful. As we make decisions, let's not get stuck with indecision because then it leads to instability. Instability. Bow your heads with me. Like I said, this is so practical when it comes to this. I mean... As I was reading and and writing this sermon, I was just like, I really don't need to explain too much, God, because it says it as plainly as it does. If you lack wisdom, ask God. All I did was just add some illustrations and something else. But it's simple, straightforward. Now, I'm saying it's not the easiest thing to do. But when we ask God, the promise says that he gives without finding fault. And he gives generously. I don't know what's causing frustration in your life. But I've learned a lot of the frustration in my life is because of indec- indecision. A lot of the frustration in my life is, is because of my indecision with whatever. Like I said, job or marriage or kids and health and All the, I mean, all the stuff is important stuff and we need God's wisdom as we navigate through that. And so the question is, where are you being double-minded right now? Where are you being, what area of your life are you being double-minded Ask God. Seek God. Get into the Word. And wait on Him. I know a lot of people who are just so... You know, I've been waiting for something and I've prayed and I've... You know, and I'm not, I'm not doubting what, do, what you're doing. But I want to encourage you. Seek Him face to face. Instead of running for another answer somewhere else... Spend time on your knees in his presence, in his word. Because the promise is he gives us wisdom. If you don't do that, the Bible says what? He should not expect anything from God. God gives us wisdom through every decision we have to make. So like I said, the biggest decision, the best decision I made us to serve Christ and I pray that each one of us has made that decision that each one of us has made that decision to follow Christ and because we can't serve two masters at all I pray that you've made that decision because I promise you that decision will see you through so many situations in your life And I pray right now, if you have a situation in any area in your life, I just pray at this time that you will just seek God. Don't give up. Just wait on Him. Like I said, not every open door is a door you need to walk through. Not every closed door is a, is a door that you need to walk away from. But sometimes you need to persevere because God wants to build your faith up. God is going to give you wisdom when you ask him for it. Let's all stand to our feet as we worship God this morning.